0: Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend, Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection Team through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country with a pedal to the metal with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up, here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message.
1: All right, all right. Better late than never, they always say. Better late than never. Well, if it weren't worth it, I wouldn't say you should put up with the wait, but this one's worth it. This one's worth it. We have some special music. We had some technical difficulties logging into the Internet from the location where we are, which brings up the question, where are we? We are at the Victory Village Veterans Home in Port Penn. Uh, Well, it's still a Middletown address, but it's Port Penn. So it's pretty cool. Um, And what they do is they take care of uh, homeless veterans and veterans in general that just need a little hand. And uh, so that's what they do and they do it really, really well. So it's a new venture and we're trying to help bring awareness to it. Uh, We have a buddy, um, Ray Siemens, who's on his way here, I'm assuming. And uh, they're going to play some music, and we have uh, – what is your first name? Andrew. Andrew, can I say your first name, Andrew, or should I not say your name, Andrew? Or just or just not say Andrew. I'll keep it on the down low. If you don't want me to say your name, Andrew, I won't say Andrew. I can say Andrew. Okay, then I feel better saying Andrew. Andrew has on – if this was pick vision, folks, Andrew has on some boots you just will not believe. Are they are they uh, alligator? Yeah. Yeah, they're very nice. They're very nice. What size? Uh, 14. We have a requirement here at RK Halal that you have to take your shoes off in another room and leave them there and then walk in the other room. So take- oh, it's, that's a big leap right there. I don't even know. Well, thank you for coming. They're going to play some really cool music for us, and then we're going to have a brief message, and uh, we'll go from there. That's the title of the message, by the way, welcome to our guest, the Pope. Good to have you here. And welcome to the veterans. You guys find a find a chair. I think there's more chairs somewhere. Uh, and uh, we'll be we'll be rocking and rolling here. Do you guys want to play play us in a little bit? Yeah. yeah. I think so. Why not? I can't play the break. All right. We'll see if you can hear. it. We'll lean in. <laughs> it was really good. Great boots. Great boots and a and a good fiddle player. Now, hold on, hold on, wait, 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 I know you're going to tell me this in a second by my listening, but exactly is, are you going to play fiddle? Okay, not violin, not violin, okay, all right, well, we're going to let it rip here, just go ahead, fellas, do what you got to do. i support that fully and completely sermon just became much much shorter i'm just saying (laughs) i will speak much quick much more quickly now for all of you listening around the world uh, last week this is this is going to trip you out last week we had two percent of our listenership was from russia and then i have a friend of mine uh ex-agency guy and, and special forces guy lives in ukraine and he was listening and uh, he was tripped out. He's not really a church guy, but he he really loved it. And then he wanted to know was the food as good as I said, which it is. Uh, so if you're if you were here, you'd know there's a whole kitchen full of a whole bunch of food that uh, you would get to enjoy. But you're not going to because you're not here. So we'll eat extra for you. So we'll have more music in just a little bit. Um, last week I thought it was interesting because remember me telling you about the uh, ladies' book group uh, in uh, Belgium i thought that they listen on replay they don't they stay up and listen to the show live and i've been getting comments on chat by the way chat is open i've been getting comments on chat thinking that that's just some other person and that's the group how cool is this? yeah it's early for these ladies let I me mean, from the sounds of things they have uh they imbibe in a little bit of wine a little bit of whatnot to you know, get them through, so they might be doing that. So cheers to y'all if you're listening right now. So Wednesday's show, how many people listen to The Collision of Faith and Politics on Wednesday? So we had on, it's kind of a cool show, uh, It was not kind of a cool show, it was a very cool show, if I might say so myself. Um, this, so far, we're at 1.2 million listeners. From that one show, we're over 1,500 new people registering on the website, which is crazy odd. not sure all of them are real people, though. So, uh, but on that show, we had a guy, a former a retired Navy SEAL. We had a guy by the name of Andy Stump. He was a DevGrew guy, SEAL Team 6. Uh, several of his buddies were killed in this. In fact, his best friend, I believe, was killed uh, in, in Extortion 17. And so, uh, but he was on, after he did my show, he was on the finale of Hunted. How many have ever heard of that show? Brand new show, ABC show. Uh, my family's addicted to it. Um, And so he was on that, and he did a really great job. So we're going to probably have him back on. And the good uh, doctor, anybody listen to um, the professor? She was really kind of fascinating, too. She's very excited. That was her first radio show, and she did great. I thought she did really, really well. Hey there, birthday girl. Um, So I thought she did really, really well, and it was a lot of fun to have her. And we're going to have she and Steve Turley on together. Now, that's a lot of brains in one room, So, but it'll be a lot of fun uh I think Steve and her would would play real well off each other. So what's going to happen this Wednesday? Mm. Wow. Um it's going to be a crazy one. You guys remember Mark Sutherland from uh England? Well, he everybody has asked for him to come back and uh so we're going to we're going to have him back on on Wednesday and those of you who knows who uh William or Bill Federer is. William and Bill same person by the way. I'm not trying to trip you up. Uh He's going to be on on Wednesday as well. So we're going to have a really, really crazy good show. I'm very, very excited about it. I said all of that to say this, mostly because I like to say that thing. Uh, I said all of that to say this, that uh, Andy has, is a real thinker. Andy's a real thinker. He's, he's, you know, He likes to think that he doesn't have that much to offer outside of being a Dev seal and jumping out of airplanes. By the way, who watched the video? World record video, wingsuit flight, 18 point something miles in a wingsuit from jump. 37,000 feet, just under. Oh no, he had a parachute. But he does want to, in pre-interview, he does want to do a jump in a wingsuit where somehow he lands on wheels attached to his feet instead of using a parachute. So get to know Andy now, because that might not go well. But then again, if you know Andy, he's broken a lot of records, done a lot of crazy things. So uh, that was a lot of fun to watch, a lot of really a cool thing to do. That got me to thinking. Uh, Andy wrote something that, that uh, it, was, it, was a, it was actually a comment that he posted on some website, website somewhere, and somebody copied it the first time, and then again, and then again, and then again, and then again, and then, I don't know, tens of thousands of times. So it's already been shared a whole bunch of times uh, from our website, too. But I thought that this would really be fun. Hey there, guys. Good to see you. I thought this would be really, really fun to um, to share some of this with you from from that comment and what it spurned in my head because I really like to be – Sunday nights, I like God to, to inspire me. I like you know – I'll go back to doing the, the series and all that stuff too, but I really like for God to tell me, okay, this is what I want you to tell. So this week it kind of – he waited a while to tell me. Uh, But Wednesday's show kind of was a, a needle in my side, and I thought, oh, yeah, this is something I need to do. So this is called Tiny Giants, Conquering What You Can't See. The Tiny Giants, dangerous, deadly, relentless tiny giants. We all know about the giant giants, don't we? Who in here knows about giant giants, you know, the really big stuff that gets you? We all know about the giant giants, but oh, the tiny giants. They seem to sneak up on us and really lay us low when they come for us, sometimes for a moment. And you know what? To be fair, sometimes for a lifetime. As Abraham Heschel said, something sacred hangs in the balance of every moment. I'll remind you, little things don't mean a lot. Little things mean everything. And so most of us know all about the giant giants, right? These are things that a major event like the giant giant in my life was I was in a fatal car crash. Of, I guess coming up on is it five years coming up on five years. It, you know, apparently I was dead. we didn't know that uh we just were told by two firemen um and it's been a, a long by the way, welcome to my daughter first broadcast she's ever been here it's my daughter Lily everybody Lily Lily everybody she's up from Georgia. she's going to a veterinary school down there learn how to take care. did you pick up any animals because I noticed there were some strays out there I th- figured probably I figured I figured yeah, I know how it is um. So she loves animals. Welcome to Stephen, Ohio, by the way. And uh, hopefully, um, hopefully, when we have more music here in a little bit, you all be able to hear it. I'll just sit my mic over there. We had some microphone wire malfunctions. So the ones that the giants that trip us up most often, those are obvious ones, right? They usually don't catch us by surprise. The giants, these giants, they alter the whole trajectory of our life alcoholism, uncontrolled anger, drug addiction, sex addiction, post-traumatic stress, uh, food addiction, you guys know more and more and more, uh, being a workaholic, somebody, uh, I put that in here and somebody I was talking to earlier this week said, why is that in there? That's a good thing. I said, you should probably listen. So we all know these and some some of you all around the world, you're probably sitting there thinking, hmm, yeah, I guess there are some things uh, that can become a hurt habit and hang up can really change the trajectory of our life. We don't often talk about the tiny giants, and that's something that I I really have realized because I've, I've started conversations this week with several different people just to try to see see what comes of that conversation, talking about the tiny giants, the big giants, then tiny giants. I'll explain what the tiny giants are in a second. And most of them kind of shook their head and did that little, you know how the dogs look at you when you say something kind of funny, they, hmm? They turned their head, and that's, that's the, the biggest response I had this week. So where are we right now? We're at the Victory Let me make sure I'm saying this right. Victory Village Homeless Veterans Center at 554 Port Penn Road in Middletown, Delaware. So this is a brand new uh, organization, brand new home, uh, and they, it's, it's an amazing facility, and I'm really excited to see it in a little bit. So I was sitting at my desk in, in my studio, and I was preparing for I was in pre-production for the show last week. And I was spontaneously remembering lyrics to a song or a series of songs. Now, I don't know. I have a brain injury. So it could be – I could be remembering part poem, part – who knows. But let's see how it goes. But they were – for whatever reason, right then when I was sitting there, it, they were – it was in my head all together. It was woven all together. And so this got me to thinking. And I'll I'll research the words. I guess I'll put them in a search bar somewhere and find out how I know them and give them proper attribution. So uh, for now, this is what I remembered, and this is this is what it made me think. My sins are many, my merit is not. Yet you, the mighty merciful one, how can it be that the high king of heaven extends mercy to me? Now, like I said, that could be a mashup of two different songs. Somebody, if, any, if you know this song, probably musicians in here, you probably know it. But um, if you know this song, yeah, maybe shoot me an email or a text this week or send me a tweet at theninjapastor.com. I thought, as a result of remembering these words, though, just how great an act of mercy God dispensed on me, imputed righteousness. How can it be that God would even consider giving a son for somebody like me? That's so far beyond my comprehension. Come on in. Come on in. Welcome. Well, it must feel nice not that the the folks that host us every week in their home uh, are coming in now. They don't have to. They don't have to do anything. We'll have to serve them. That'll be nice. But I'm the beneficiary of this, and it is beyond my comprehension because I think to myself, hey, self, that's what I call myself when I'm talking to me. Um, That's what I respond to anyway. Hey, you want a chair? No worries. If you get tired, there's a a chair for you. So I I thought about being the beneficiary of something so great as that, and I thought to myself, well, I'm undeserving. It's unmerited favor. It's unmerited grace. It's unmerited mercy. I'm impure, but the perfect one is pure. So faithfully, he, he reached out to me and he saved me. That makes me so grateful. It really, really does. So grateful. And maybe it does you too, if you've experienced that in your life. So looking back at my life, I am amazed and humbled that I've been given the chance, really not given the chance, but chance after chance after chance after chance by the holy God almighty, unmerited favor, undeserved forgiveness and grace. Me, those of you who have known me all my life, you probably would go, hmm, yeah, it's a mystery to me too. Unmerited favor, amazing. I don't know if you can imagine it, but I can. So I'm learning to allow myself to realize that, despite my theological education, pedigree, experiences, and affiliations, I just don't know a thimble's full. I don't know a thimble's full of the oceans of knowledge, of the power and love of God. I only know this tiny thimbleful. Yet there's oceans and oceans and oceans. You ever, it's you ever hear the saying, you're gonna, you're gonna. Dig to China with a spoon, same kind of thing, you know. I only know this much, little tiny amount, and yet there's oceans of love and forgiveness and mercy and grace for me. Man, that's that's hard for me to hard for me to take in. And the thing is, is the only resolve to that really is scripture reading and prayer and communication with God, not talking to God, but communicating with God. And the cool thing about that is, is that it always comes to fruition. Little bit by little bit by little bit, you know, as we study more and more and more and more, we, it comes to us. You know, God opens up that communication. The more we communicate with him. And Abraham Heschel said this, something sacred hangs in the balance of every moment. And I want to remind you again, little things, and this, let this play through your head throughout this. Little things don't mean a lot. No, the little things, they mean everything. The little things mean everything. Who knows what uh, PTS is? Most of you know it as PTSD. It's really post-traumatic stress. The disorder part, um, I don't like. Uh, I have a counseling practice I used to have, and um, we still counsel uh, combat vets for free, no charge, completely confidential. For them, absolutely 100% free, 100% confidential. And they always ask me, you know, well, how come you just say PTS, you don't say the D? It's not a disorder. It's something that you can absolutely get through, uh, you can absolutely heal from. It's not something necessarily you take a pill, although there, some are, there are some treatments that are being experienced, uh, uh, experimented with. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is you can get through it. You can get over it. You can get around it. And sometimes you kind of have to dig down and go wonder it. So, um, but some of the things that different people talked about, I mentioned them really quickly a, a bit ago, is alcoholism. Alcoholism, uncontrolled anger. Some people think, you know, why well, get mad? What big, big deal? So what? It's no big deal. I get mad, but unfortunately, that creates problems in your relationships because you know what happens? People shy away from you. If you're the type of person that – all right, here's an example. Driving down the road. That's probably my daughter. Don't say if it's you. So driving down the road and somebody comes over into your lane or doesn't use their lane change indication device, and they uh, – that's a turn signal on the left, stalk on the left. Most people don't know where that is apparently. Um or somebody riding in the left lane, the passing lane, right? You're just going – are you've got to get somewhere. You're not trying to go slow. You go in the lane you're supposed to go a little bit faster. You go in that left lane, guess what happens? There's this person that's in there. Boy, they're just poking along. And you get mad, and what you do? You wave with your angry finger. Anybody here? No, nobody in here. Of course not. Of course not. But around the world, we have honest people that listen in. And uh, so, so – but, but yeah, you know, and, and, and it, but that, that creates a space between you and other people, it creates anger, the anger's in the middle. And so there's no way to communicate. You know what? Somebody that's perpetually angry, their, their anger's uncontrolled. They don't have a good relationship with God. They don't have the peace of the Holy Spirit. They don't have that because they're mad all the time. They're mad all the time. Well, I'm going to throw one at you. Maybe you might, you might, or might not agree with fear. Who in here knows people that are just afraid all the time? Afraid all the time. Yeah, sure. Sure, there's a lot of times people are afraid. Any idea where Doel's going? He hurt heard, he heard all he could stand. He's the perpetually angry. He better not wave at anybody with his angry finger and his mother's truck. So cool. Uh so here's the thing. Fear can really mess up your life. Fear can really mess up your life. Now, obviously I talked to Lots of people who are special forces guys and agency guys and FBI people and, and, uh, you you know, people that are in in the thick of a very kinetic types of jobs, very high-risk jobs. And when people ask people that do those jobs, you know, were you ever afraid? And uh, I have several guys who are, you know, SEALs and and Delta Force and all these different things, and you ask them that, they'll laugh and go, yeah, I was afraid. And then the people, the regular people, you know, civilians are like, really? Yeah. When people are shooting at you, you should be afraid. You shouldn't. But but the thing is, is once you're out of that situation, you have to process that and get it, get it out of your, out of your system. But here's the thing. There's some people that are afraid of everything. There, are, you know, people like this, ready, aim, 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 right? At some point, you got to pull the trigger. You got to pull the trigger. But there's people because of fear and indecision, they're locked in and they can't make decisions in their life. They can't move forward. And so they default to that thing, that decision that they made, and that seemed to work out all right. Maybe it'll work out all right this time, maybe not, but they default to that because of fear. They can't think and pray their way through. So here's the crazy thing. Drug addiction, sex addiction, post-traumatic stress, food addiction. Now, we're we're fixing to go in there and tear up some food. I know you all know that that's what's going to happen next. We're going to, as soon as I finish, we're going to have music, and then uh, we're going to go and tear up some food. It's all good food, I can smell it, and it's we know how to eat. <laughs> this folks, they used to put a meal together, you want to call these people. No fear. No, hey, look, we have no fear. We're not even worried about a, a plastic sp- uh, sp- We don't have sporks here, right? We use the real stuff. So that's awesome. But food addiction. people don't often talk about food addiction. Listen, food can crush your life. It can crush your life. But you know what? It's a tiny giant. Why? Because well, everybody has to eat. We all have to eat, right? We have this excuse. Well, I just like to eat. I enjoy my food. I'm not going to worry over it. Right? That's what just, that's what you say, right? But you don't have a food addiction. You just know how to eat. Well, here's the thing. And so, and so do I. But you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I have a little bit of a food addiction. In all fairness, I have a little bit of food addiction. And see, I can blame my brain injury now because I don't have that that uh, satiety. I forgot that I ate. After a while, I'm like, ooh, I'm so full. I don't know why my tummy hurts, right? And I just had three dinners. But usually, if there's ice cream cone, this is my new kick, ice cream cones. Folks, something beautiful and wonderful and sweet from heaven about ice cream cones. I just love them. But it it could be brownies. It doesn't have to be ice cream cones. See, now I'm hungry. I'll speed up. Don't worry. But so many more, so many things, right? So many things can really trip us up. But there's so many people that, that suffer and deal with those that they, they – they, it's, it's ubiquitous, right? Everybody around you is dealing with similar things, those things that are similar. But you know what? Fear. Fear drives so many things. Why are some people afraid? Do you guys know why some people are afraid? Why are some people afraid? Just shoot a couple quick questions. We're on the air all around the world, so don't take too long to be brilliant. If you could, just hurry it up. Say it again. Whatever's unknown. Right, we're afraid of what we don't know, right? This is my first time in this building. I'm not terribly afraid, but I'm careful, you know, I'm going around corners, you know, checking things out. What about when the lights are off? How about when the lights are off? Look, if we're being honest, if we're being very, very honest, I would prefer to have a flashlight with me when when it's dark, right? When I take my dog when I leave when I leave here, if it's or if it's dark out, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna take a flashlight. It's a big one that doubles as a, you know, a striking device. But the point is, even though I'm armed, I like to have a flashlight. I like to see where I'm going, right? We, we have a veterinary student, second-year veterinary student here. Fear about some tests. You know, maybe I didn't study. I hope that's, that's not the case. She did study. She did study. I'm just teasing. But maybe, but maybe gosh, I don't know. Because this, this teacher writes exams that are different, you know, than what we studied. You have that? That happens. I had that, and I hate it. I always, when I'm teaching, I teach uh, Bible college classes. When I teach, you can bet that what I talk about will be on the test, and if something I didn't talk about, it will not be on the test. You can hold me to that. So, now I tell you, right? <laughs> so we have another. we have another thing that can make you afraid, childhood experiences that can make you afraid. That seminal event, right? Now, I do a, a message um, called Hunting Deadlines, and I'll have to dredge that up and, and send that out in the next blog post. But Hunting Deadlines, it's actually in the Bible. The thing is that deadline could be a good thing. When you're a kid, you have some great event, and then after that, not so great. You know That big thing that you did, you really did well, now you're afraid to try again because what if I don't do as well? What if I don't do as well in that next thing? Or maybe you had a major failing, you know? Maybe something really went sideways. And you know what? Look, I'm a veteran. Uh, go Navy. Beat Army. But the point of the matter is I'm a veteran. I've had lots of experiences that, you know what, I screwed up. I'm sure I screwed up something to do with parenting, although you look perfect to me. I must have done a great job, but no, probably not. And I'm and I'm sorry in advance. Oh, yeah, that was bad, yeah. And the height thing. I couldn't help that. So, but the point is, is things happen uh, during the process of our living that, you know what, we go a little sideways on and we get, we get way off track. How many in here have suddenly realized, man, I'm way off track. I am way off track. I have really messed things up. And then the whole big thing is, is, well, how do I get out of it? How do we get back to the right place and the right thing? Well, you're going to hear the answer. I call that a tiny giant. You know, that's a tiny giant. It seems like a giant giant, but you know what the giant people talk about? They do. They talk about those. Those are Those are, oh, well, what happened to you? Well, this happened, right? My car accident. I can talk about my car crash. Nobody's embarrassed about that. I wasn't doing anything wrong. I was going 51 miles per hour. The other guy was going 92. Hit me in the front. Tried to kill me. So practically successful. We have people in here that have have been in uh, car crashes or been assaulted, right? And you can talk about those things. You can talk about those things. A lot of folks in here, I'm looking out a lot of people have had cancer. And so we generally we can talk about those. Most cancers nowadays people will talk about, oh, I had a heart attack. Oh, okay. You know, that type of thing. So I interviewed this really interesting guy, and his name is Andy Stumpf, DevGru, which is Development Group, Navy Special Warfare Development Group. Most of you people know it as SEAL Team 6. Well, it's not really SEAL Team 6, but it's called DevGru, but most people say uh, SEAL Team 6. But he's... Um, He's a really interesting guy, highly decorated. If you go through and you look at his DD-214, you see that he's really, really a highly decorated SEAL. And as a DevGru guy, you know, those are the guys that went and got bin Laden. Those guys, uh, they're in the thick of it. I mean, 12, uh, 12 tours and, you know, just hundreds of combat missions. And he's got a Purple Heart because he was shot. And so, you know, that doesn't come easy. But he didn't stop there, right? That could have been the thing. Well, I got shot. And uh, I got medically retired at 17 years being a SEAL. I can't go out with the team guys anymore. You know, that's pretty crushing. But what happens? What happens? He, he drives forward. What can I do next? What can I do now? So he really loved to jump out of airplanes, which I have to attest is a lot of fun. Laugh if you want, but until you've done it, it's amazing. But he decided he would take it a few steps further, 37,000 feet almost. He jumped out of an airplane, and he flew 18-plus miles In a wingsuit, right? You know the squirrel suits with the – yeah, he flew, and he wants to do further than that. Now, he got really discombobulated, and he hit his ankle on the way out of the plane, on the door of the plane. So he was all flippy-flopping and flat-spinning and barrel-rolling and all this stuff. He probably could have even flown further if he'd have done that. But it's killer. It's like nine minutes in the air under canopy. That's super exciting super fun. It's really chilly at 37,000 feet. But the point of this matter is, is he went and did something else. But why did he do it? What motivated him to do it? He could have gone home and just been a retired Navy SEAL that was medically retired. Hey, it's on, you know, very honorable service. My goodness. But he wanted to raise money for something called a Navy SEAL Foundation. Most of you don't know. But SEALs, you know, most of the SEALs don't make it 20 years. Did you guys know that? Most of the SEALs don't make it 20 years. They get hurt. Their bodies are beat up. So they end up having to either be medically retired or just get out. And they get nothing, by the way. If you're medically retired or you make it 20 years, you, you get a pension, a military pension was 50% of your of, of your basic salary. So you get out and all of a sudden all this involvement you had with your brothers, you know, long live the brotherhood, you you get out and what happens? All of a sudden, you now family's great, family's awesome, but your brotherhood, you go into life and death situations with them. Some of them don't make it. You guys, anybody that watched the State of the Union, or uh, the uh, joint uh, address to Congress, um, President Trump honored the wife of a Navy SEAL that was just killed. Also Dev DevGru guy. Imagine how difficult that is. Here's the thing. Outside of the life insurance you get in the military, that you pay for, by the way, outside of that, you don't get any. You don't get anything. And you're stuck well he didn't make it he didn't make it 20 years he doesn't have a retirement coming so the navy seal foundation steps in and they raise they raise money and they help take care of the kids needs their college needs if they want to go to college and and uh, retraining needs for employment for the wife or the spouse of the seal you know counseling camps and things like this to help them so he that's why he jumped out of an airplane Andy he jumped out of an airplane 37,000 feet and flew 18 plus miles to raise money. Now, on my website, there's links and stuff. You can help raise money for that. But the point of the matter is, the website's drstrongreader.com or theninjapastor.com. And look, I don't know if Andy, we haven't had this conversation yet. I don't know if he's a person of faith or not. But something he wrote really stuck out to me. It really, really stuck out to me. It's very, very brief. Let me share it with you. Everyone wants to be a frogman on Friday. One of my favorite quotes from the teams because it applies to everyone and every goal. To use SEAL training as an example, 80 to 85% don't see the third day of Hell Week. That's where you sleep about four hours the whole week. They don't call it Hell Week for nothing, let alone the last day of training. It takes a lot of work to even show up for day one, but it doesn't take much to end it. All you have to do is say, I quit. I quit. Ring the bell three times and it's over you're done. Your experience with the SEALs is over. Well, there's paperwork, a little bit of paperwork later, but in essence, it's the end. All SEAL training is really about is pushing people to their lowest point, watching the decisions they make when they're there. When you're at your lowest point, you're tired, you're hungry, you're cold. Do you give in and take the easy way out? During the most difficult portions of training, the instructors bring the bell with them. They bring it with them to make it that much more enticing and easy. To quit it sits right there in plain sight always ready for the next taker and he says Andy goes on to say i've noticed that most people focus on the illusion of the shiny object not the reality of what it takes to achieve it the amateur can only see the end state the professional focuses on the fundamentals and incremental progress now clearly andrew you you are a very very good musician did you give up like i'll ask mom did he give up the first time because it's apparent he didn't give up? Nope. Did you have to yell at him a lot to keep going? No. See, that's the deal. And that's kind of how it is here. The professional focus on the fundamentals and incremental progress. If you think the bell, the thing you ring to quit, doesn't exist in your life, your eyes are closed. It's everywhere. That bell is everywhere. The only difference between buds, the buds bell, which is the the basic underwater uh, demolition seal uh, training, Um When you ring it, the outcome is instantaneous. Laziness, procrastination, selfishness, lack of discipline, you fill in the blank, all small rings of the bell, but the bell is everywhere and it's always calling you. Ring it enough times and you'll find yourself looking back, filled with regret. Everyone wants to be a frogman on Friday, but you will never get there if you give up on Tuesday. I know the sound of the bell haunts many men. Don't let the decisions you make when things get difficult, end up haunting you. That's Andy Stumpf, the United States Navy SEAL team. He's retired. Laziness, procrastination, selfishness, lack of discipline, fear, lack of trust. You fill in the blank. These are tiny giants that they don't get much fanfare or warning, but without that fanfare or warning, they slam us, they knock us in the teeth. You know, it's like a two by four hitting you, and all of a sudden, our progress for God. God, in our, in our spiritual life, our life of faith stops. All of a sudden it stops. These tiny giants crush not only our dreams, not only our dreams, but have you thought about, they dramatically alter the trajectory of not only our lives, but also our family, our friends. You know, you didn't get here playing the fiddle like you do uh, without people hearing you when you weren't so great, right? right? It didn't sound great originally, right? Or did he, did he start off like this? No, no, a little bit screechy, you know. My daughter plays the trumpet. Initially, mm. you know, music to my ears. Of course, I love to hear it. But you know, the the violin and and piano and the worst is drums, right? You know, the parent who gets gets uh, that's that's never going to work out well. Clarinet's, just... Clarinet's <laughs> a little iffy too, right? A lot squeaky and yeah, I I feel you. But our families are affected by the tiny giants that crush us. The desire of one who has poverty of spirit, mourning for sin, and meekness is righteousness. You know, we all want to feel that way. The people who raise their hand and, and identify with, hey, you know what, I've screwed up royally in my life. I've made major mistakes, and I've impacted people. What we really want is righteousness. Righteousness is is doing right. Is being in, in the right is in God's eyes. The Bible has something to say about this in Matthew 5. It reads, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who hunger... This describes a profound hunger that can't be satisfied by a brownie or ten brownies. Not much can't be satisfied by brownies. I'll grant you that. But the fact of the matter is this hunger is an inner hunger, a hunger for righteousness. And this is a longing. And it endures and is never completely satisfied this side of eternity. And you know what? This passion is real, just like hunger and thirst are real. This passion is natural, just like hunger and thirst are natural in a healthy person. Look if you're if if, if you have a hunger and thirst, that's if you're normal, if you're healthy, that's normal. You want to have that. But this passion can be painful just like real hunger and thirst. Who in here's ever gone more than three, four or five days without food? Yeah. Right? I have. I have. It's painful. It's painful. You can go thirty or more days without food, but you know what? You can't go three days without water. And that, But you know what? It's a, it's a driving force. It's a driving force, just like hunger and thirst can drive a person. This passion, it's a sign of health. It shows our health, right? Who, who in here has seen a very vibrant, healthy person? You see them, you want to be around them, right? Uh, vibrant, healthy people, you want to be around those people. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. We see Christians hungering for many things. Power, authority, success, comfort, happiness. But how many hunger and thirst for righteousness? It's good to remember that Jesus said this in a day. Now, that was Jesus speaking. You know, the verse I wrote was Jesus speaking. These people that he was talking to, listen, folks, they knew what it was like to be hungry and thirsty. And I don't mean just hungry and thirsty after, boy, I miss reading my Bible. I I'm, want I'm to read my Bible again. I miss that. Boy, I miss being in church with great music and great preaching. Right? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about these people all around him. They knew true hunger. They knew, they knew it. They knew fear. They knew oppression. They knew all these things, but they knew hunger and thirst, like real hunger and thirst. Now, modern man, at least in the Western world, we don't know that so much, right? There's not as many people. That's why it's so different for us. It's really so different for us to be uh, – it's a juxtaposition in our mind, right? We just can't – we we can't connect with it unless you've really truly been super hungry and super th- – we can't. We can't connect with it. But there are some people that that have. There's this uh, great speaker and theologian named Spurgeon. He said this. I thought it was appropriate. Alas, says he, it is not enough for me to know that my sin is forgiven. I have a fountain of sin within my heart, and bitter waters continually flow from it. Oh, that my nature should be changed so that I, the lover of sin, could be made a lover of that which is good, that I, now full of evil, could become full of holiness. Now, I want to ask you, how does this hunger and thirst for righteousness ex- express itself? How are you doing, brother? Good to see you, man. So a man longs to have a righteous nature. I talked about that. We hunger for that. A man wants to be sanctified, to be made more holy. We hunger for that. It's easier to live like that, right, isn't it? When we're in that place, it's easier to, to be there than, than really struggling with the hurt habit or hangup that's laid us low. A man wants to be sanctified. Man, that's a powerful thing. A man longs to continue in God's righteousness. We hunger for that. By continuing in God's righteousness, I mean you're connected with God. You're, you're, you're trying to communicate with God. You're opening your heart and your spirit to communicate with God, to live how God wants you to live. And believe you me, it's not a certain haircut. It's not a certain type of dressing, uh, how you dress. It's not that. It, it's not that at all. Some of the most righteous people... Uh, you know, I was in the Navy, you know, cuss like a sailor type of thing. But some of the most honorable people that I've ever known in my whole life, well, you meet them the first time if you don't really know what they're all about, and you think, whoa, sketchy dude. Then you realize this is the most principled person ever I've ever seen. And you know what? On the flip side of that, I've known lots of pastors who I wouldn't trust, even a little bit. So it's, it's not a thing about how you look. You know what I mean? It's not that. It's not that. Continuing God's righteousness. A man longs to see righteousness promoted in the world. We hunger for that, but what pieces, the tiny giants? And when I say righteousness in the world, wouldn't you love to know that everybody is doing what they're supposed to do, right? Trying to do what they're supposed to do. Government's trying to do what they're supposed to do. Law enforcement does what they're supposed to do. Medical people do what they're supposed to do. You know, uh, teachers do what they're supposed to do. Store owners do what everybody's doing what they're supposed to do. Everybody's driving toward doing that thing. You don't have to worry about getting ripped off. Anybody here worried about getting ripped off? Sometimes you got to buy something, you don't want to get taken. Nobody wants to get taken. Nobody wants that. That's a very real fear. He hungers and thirsts after righteousness. Here's Spurgeon again. He does not hunger and thirst that his own political party may get into power, but he does hunger and thirst that righteousness may be done in the land. He does not hunger and thirst that his own opinions may come to the front and that his own sect or denomination might increase in numbers and influence, but he does desire that righteousness may come to the fore. In other words, he desires that, that we always, as a, as a, as a nation, as a, as a people, we drive toward righteousness. We drive towards we're all trying to do the right thing in the eyes of God. Now, he said, uh, Jesus said, for Jesus promised to fill the hungry, to fill them with as much as they could eat, and this is a strange feeling that both satisfies us and keeps us longing for more. But what keeps us hungry? Tiny giants, right? It's those things that nobody sees—the hurts, habits, and hang-ups that nobody sees. Listen, folks. I want you to listen. We're we're out of time. Uh, we're going to continue here till I'm finished. But uh, we're out of time for the broadcast. But God bless you. Listen on Wednesday. Way is going to start at three instead of four. So I hope you join us. Thank you for joining us today.